0: Before Pastor Steve comes and shares the word this morning, I wanted to give you guys an update on Power Camp. Um, That's right, come on, who let out a hoof? Um, I've directed Power Camp for the last four summers, um, and it's been an amazing ministry of the church. Uh, We had, I think it was somewhere between 1,050 and and 1,100 camper slots last summer. Um, it, It ran for seven weeks this past summer. And uh, we had 144 little ones give their lives to Jesus. is that amazing? <laughs> I kind of hesitate to throw numbers when it comes to salvations out there. But uh, please understand that when I put that number out there, every one of those numbers is a little person with a story and a pair of tennis shoes and a smile who matters to Jesus. And uh, that, that is why we do Power Camp. That is why we do what we do. And we had about 60 staff members last summer, and uh, we, we just always work to disciple and sort of raise them up in Christ. And uh, this summer, like the last four, we are already planning and preparing, and I am so excited because this summer uh, what we are doing is we have hired a director. And I am going to slide into an executive director role, and this director and I are going to team up, and uh, we already have. And uh, we are going to, God willing, bring the best power camp that we've seen yet. So I want to introduce James Connolly. James, will you come on up here? Will you guys give him a hand? (laughs) Um, James is a dear friend of mine, and uh, he's got an incredible heart for God, an incredible heart for young people, high, high character and integrity. And uh, I just love the way this man carries himself. I love the way he walks with Jesus. And I love the way he inspires the younger generations to walk with Jesus. So, uh, James, we are thrilled to have you on board. Um, I am thrilled to have you on board. (laughs) Would you tell us just a little bit about your relationship with the Lord, your testimony, your story, Uh, just, just as a church. Tell us who you are.
1: First of all, thanks for letting me talk a little bit this morning. It's an honor to be here amongst just the richness of the history of Myrtle Grove and the body here. Hey, Barry. Um, I love what I've seen just in the last few months being part of this church body and being introduced through Michael and a few other close friends here. Um, I've lived in Wilmington since I was five. I spent a short stint in California going to Bible college. I came back and went to UNCW, graduated with a communication studies degree there. I came to know Jesus at 16 years old. I came to a place, like many of us do, I think, where I realized life is nothing apart from Christ. And in Christ, there is fullness of life. Um, And even Psalm 1611 comes to mind. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So that's what I've seen in Christ. That's where I've found life. And um, over the seasons, I've come into new uh, opportunities for ministry. When I was 18, I started a camp called JC Surf Camp, and this is our 10th year doing that. I'll be assimilating into the power camp role, obviously, and be handing that off to some close friends, Lord willing. But um, I'm excited about what God is doing here already and how I can be a part of it.
0: Aren't you excited already? I mean, do you feel the energy this guy's got? Um, So James... Tell us in a word or two just your sense of call. Why, why church? Why summer camp? Why kids? Why ministry? Tell us what's going on there. I,
1: I was wondering how I would articulate this uh, when Michael asked me, because he, he told me what he was going to ask me beforehand, and... Um, I'm, I'm going to read a scripture that came to mind during worship, which, by the way, was that not incredible or what? That was so awesome. So, can we just give it up for the worship team? Because that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah 43 through 5, uh, it says A voice of one calling, In the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway. For our God, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I used to walk around when I was going to college, and I would just sing, prepare the way, prepare the way of the Lord. And I would just sing it all the time. And, and so the scripture came to mind this morning during worship. And I thought about, you guys know that Christ is preparing a beautiful bride for himself, right? He's going to come back, and he's going to take his beautiful bride, and he's going to take her with him. And I thought, well, what, what better calling would it be than for all of us to be made beautiful for Christ, And so whatever part I can play in doing that, that's my role. Lord willing, as the opportunity comes, I would love to be a pastor one day. I'm the new director of Power Camp. My heart is to pastor and to preach as well. And as the doors open, I would love to step into that.
0: Amen, man. So good. So last question, tell us a little bit about your heart for Power Camp and just kind of your vision uh, as we look to this summer.
1: Can I just get, by a show of hands, who has been involved with Power Camp in some way, shape, form, or fashion in this room? Awesome. Power Camp is the place to be this summer. I am so blown away by what I've seen thus far. Please tell everyone you know that Power Camp is the best full-day camp in town It is a place that is safe for kids to come, and it is a place where God is being glorified. It's also the best sports camp, specifically. If I was a little kid, I would be here all summer long. So I wish that it would have been around when I was younger. That's okay though. But the vision is to make it as high quality as possible, and what I love, I didn't say this earlier. Can I say a little thing about what I think about the kids? Okay. Kids, for me, represents what God wants all of us to be like in that there is very little filter for life. When you watch them in sports, you see a Wah! kind of life come out of them. And I think that if all of us pursued Jesus that way, that we would see huge signs of revival and that we would be washed in his presence completely. So that's why I love Power Camp and that's why I'm excited about what's going to happen this summer.
0: Amen. So, two last things. Last summer, we gave out $25,000 in scholarships, and I want to ask you guys, if God would put on your heart to sow into that, please do. We need your help because we are about reaching out and getting young kids, first to eighth graders, who are not in church somewhere plugged in back here so they can encounter Jesus. Uh, Secondly, um, I want to take a minute and pray for James. Um, So, let's get a couple people, maybe Pastor Jim and Pastor Steve and a couple of young people. have you guys come up here. Anybody else who wants to pray? we just want to commission and and pray for James for just a minute. Lord Jesus, uh, we celebrate James. We can already sense his passion for you, his heart for people. Lord Jesus, we celebrate the building of a strong team here at Myrtle Grove. Lord, it is about team. There is no I around here. It is about what you can do through us together. So, Lord, as you build this team and as you commission James, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would give him and the Power Camp team creativity and courage and boldness. And I genuinely believe with everything in me that this summer is going to be the best summer at Power Camp yet. Lord, we're so excited to have him. And, Lord, we honor his heart. And we even commission him as a man who is looking towards ministry and pastoring as a vocation. And, Lord, we ask that you would pave that way and you'd open up doors for him. Lord, we celebrate who He is. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: to have uh, men and women uh, of this caliber around us in these days and it's so exciting uh, to see and to hear what God is doing among us and um, I particularly loved that scripture James that you shared from Isaiah a voice uh, crying in the wilderness um, and that really seems to be what is the essence um, of the church in these days, a group of people uh, who have the capacity to hear um, God and then who respond uh, to Him. And um, I started a series, a short series, um, last week on the thriving church. And um, I'm not so sure uh, how effectively I communicated what was in my heart, uh, but this uh, notion of thriving church is just a, 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 uh, a willingness for us to look outside of ourselves, outside of Myrtle Grove, and look at some of the trends, and then to either compare what do we see in those churches who are not thriving, and do we see that about ourselves, or contrast Uh, yeah, that's what is happening out there, and that's not happening in here. So that was really sort of the intent, and um, there, as I said last week, there are about 100,000 churches in America who are in some uh, level of not thriving, and um, that may be a staggering statistic for you, but a thriving uh, family is one that's growing, A, a thriving church is one that's succeeding. It's it's accomplishing its primary calling. And uh, it is that that we really want to focus on. And the reason that we're concerned about this at all isn't so much that, that we're falling apart, but what can we learn? If we're not looking outside of ourselves um, and evaluating where we are and how we're moving, then sometimes it's um, difficult for us to see ourselves in with us sort of reality. So We're concerned about these 100,000 churches in America that seem to be sort of um, sliding in a downward slope uh, because, number one, that's the reality out there. And then, number two, what can we learn from them, if anything? Uh, It's a good thing to learn uh, from other situations and other um, people. Um, Many of these churches that we... We look at, and we'll get to the scripture. In fact, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11 if you'd like to. And we're going to spend most of our time there. Um, most of these churches uh, who are uh, sort of not thriving are doing so because of some um, some commonalities that some things that they have in common. And uh, last week I talked about slow erosion and just you know the over time. Um, inertia begins to happen. But it's really what James spoke about that's important, and it keeps the church thriving, the capacity to hear by the Spirit and then to respond to that voice in obedience. uh, That really is um, the key. Uh, So uh, a lot of these uh, churches that fail to thrive um, experience something that has been called um, the past is the hero. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Well, it means that um, there in, in any human system, it's very easy uh, for us as human beings to become comfortable with what we have experienced in our past. And to the degree that we become sort of... Uh, f- I'm talking people, churches, humans, the more we become fixated upon the, f- the past... The more difficult it is to make changes in our lives that keep us moving forward. And I think most of us would see that that's a a, a fairly accurate um, principle. So where there have been churches or our churches where the past has become the, the hero, um, they those churches can hold on too tightly to the past. And the way that has looked, if you do a sort of a sociological evaluation of these churches, they're kind of going into this, um, this slide is that everything about the past is, is what was good. Now you see that becomes very myopic, you know, it, 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 because it's not true. Uh, but, it's, but it's more comfortable for some people to look at the past. And for example, um, some commonalities that some of these churches experienced, actually all of them that ceased uh, to thrive, is that um, they become fixated on past worship styles. It, it's, 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 it's the way we did it then. And I'm not saying we're doing that, but, but just to do a, a contrast, and I want to bring us back to the Scripture for just a moment, uh, but any time a person fixates upon the past, we lose the incentive to hear the Spirit and to move with Him And you will recall that in Hebrews, at least four times in the Scripture, it says, Today, if you hear His voice, do what? Harden not your heart. You see, the capacity to hear the voice of the Spirit and to respond in obedience to Him is really what keeps churches and people alive and vital uh, in these days in which they live. So, specific worship style can be one thing that some of these churches have focused on a specific order of worship you know some people now we we got into a place here this morning that was what i would say was off the script and what do i mean by that the holy spirit began to lead those who were leading us to simply linger for a few moments now, that may have made some of you uncomfortable because we were off the order of worship. But we were on the spirit of worship. You see, and, it, and that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to communicate here, that if, if churches anywhere become preoccupied about the style of worship or the order of worship or any other number of things that ought to be done for it to be legitimate... You can lose track of what the Spirit is speaking, and therefore you become sort of, um, well, myopic and, and unresponsive to Him. Sometimes worship times. I mean, everybody knows you've got to worship at 11 to 12, and you get out by 12, so you can be at dinner or lunch, right? No, there's nothing sacred about that. That's simply a time that most churches in America meet. Uh, well, there's, there's some other things. Worship times, building designs, furnishings, carpet color, Um, It's looking inwardly and in the past rather than looking outwardly toward the future. That really summarizes it all. Now, the reason why I don't think that is specifically uh, one of our Achilles heels, though there are probably some of us who have the past as their hero, statistically. Statistically. Why I don't think it's a reality for this congregation is because we have other heroes. Now, what is a hero? If the past is a hero, let's define what a hero is, and let me look biblically with you uh, at at what I believe are our heroes. Um, Simply put, a hero is a man uh, or a woman uh, who has um, actually done something remarkable. Now, we could look at... Uh, those who have been courageous uh, and have uh, done noteworthy things like those who serve in the military. You know, there are people who put their lives in harm's way every day so that we can have a, peace, uh, a peaceful existence in this country. Those are heroes. Those are men and women who have put it all on the line for us. And some of you who are here have served in some of those places in the past and put your lives on the line as well. So a hero is simply a man or a woman who's done something uh, remarkable. Men and women who uh, fight uh, or who who keep us safe, like policemen or firemen. Those are heroes. I would not want to be a policeman today. It is a difficult situation. And yes, they've done some what appear to be um, uh, unwise things, but they're in a no-win situation. They're called into domestic disputes where person A is fighting with person B, and they walk in and try to protect and help put them in additional corners, and they both turn on the policemen. The point is, there's a lot of people out there who are doing heroic things in our police forces, in our law enforcement, in our, um, our, our firemen, uh, our emergency responders who do heroic things every day. So a hero is simply a person who does something remarkable. Hebrews chapter 11. Turn there with me if you would. Because the Bible talks about heroic activity uh, and gives us sort of an explanation actually of what a hero really is. And I just want to walk us through a couple of, of points here as we look at Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment and what the scripture tells us is that those who are heroes are those who had something that's actually um, unusual, or it's actually a gift from God, or it's that which allows them to hear that voice of one crying in the wilderness and then to do something about it. Uh, For we read in in verse 1 of chapter 11, uh, "...now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen." Now, when, you, when God speaks to you, most of us cannot uh, make it tangible and prove it to somebody else. We're going to look for just a moment at what that looks like. Um, it says in verse 2, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Uh, and uh, verse 3, By faith we understand that the, words, the world's uh, were framed by the Word of God, so that the things that are seen uh, um, were made by those things that are not seen. Now we look at some individuals who were who had this this substance, this ingredient called faith, and what they did with it is actually what made them a hero uh, so um, a biblical hero, the first one we look at is um, verse four by faith Abel. Uh, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. Uh, So so Abel simply brought a sacrifice that for uh, whatever reasons, hidden in the heart of God, God was satisfied with his sacrifice over against his brother's sacrifice. And uh, the, the text here, the writer of Hebrews, says it's because of his offering done in faith um, that he was um, actually um, seen by God as as uh, righteous or he he offered a better sacrifice and found himself in a good standing with God. The next person that we look at is by faith Enoch. Now, Enoch was an individual we don't know a whole lot about, but if you read the Scriptures in the Old Testament, it says Enoch simply walked with God and he was no more. And what that means is that Enoch was a man who who walked with God in in such an intimate sort of relationship that when it came for the time of God taking him out of the world in which he was living he simply was no more you know that little phrase from Star Trek beam me up Scotty that's, that's sort of what happened he just he was just walking with God and God said okay your time is uh, is over and he was no more well uh, his name is put in Hebrews chapter 11 um, because he did not see death the way most humans see death. Enoch was taken away before God because of his relationship with him. Now this next one is kind of interesting. Now we're looking at heroes. I just want to remind you what we're looking at here. We're looking at Hebrews and what makes a man or a woman um, significantly different in the, in the eyes or in the heart of God. The next one is Noah. And if you look at uh, Noah in verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he was moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark. Now what made Noah specifically uh, or uniquely different from all of the other men and women upon the earth uh, right at that juncture is that he heard God speaking to him and he obeyed what he heard. And look at what the Scripture says about him. Um, He prepared an ark, being warned of those things that are not yet seen. In other words, he heard a voice, the Lord speaking. He obeyed that voice, even though he didn't see the end result of it. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And this man, uh, Noah, heard the voice of God. He responded to the voice of God in, in faith. He obeyed that voice and he started to put together a wooden boat while all of his friends were gathering around him, snickering at him. How would that feel if God told you to build a huge craft in your backyard? Oh, make it about 100 feet long so you couldn't hide it behind any fence. You know, make it about 30 feet tall. So all your neighbors could see it, and they would then come and look over your back door, your back fence, and they say, "Hey, John, what are you building back there?" Oh, well, God told me to build a big ark. Oh, really? It hasn't rained in a long time. Are you expecting a big rain? Oh, well. See, see, the point is, the Spirit of God sometimes will speak to a people, and God has given us a unique capacity to hear His voice. And when we hear His voice, and then even though it may seem uh, foolish to some people, when we step out and obey that voice that God has spoken to us, God reckons that to us the same way He did uh, to Abraham. In fact, the next person we look at here is Abraham. We saw Abel uh, had a better sacrifice. Enoch walked with God in such a way that God just took him up. Uh, Noah built an ark even though he couldn't uh, see uh, that which uh, God called him to do. But it says then in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed. I love this verse. Watch this. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Look at the next phrase. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham believed God and God called him to leave his country and to go somewhere, but he didn't know where he was going. What was he doing? He was simply obeying God. Now there are some of us here who are because of our humanity. There there are people in churches everywhere who have to know where they're going. It is as if my knowing... Everything is what's going to make me successful or not. And that's not true. Abraham heard God speak, and Abraham obeyed God, and he obeyed God even though he didn't know where he was going. Can anybody relate to that? You see, I, I, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. What I know is, the Spirit of God has spoken to our hearts collectively, and He has called us to go somewhere, which is where? Follow Him, and be about His business in the world, and sharing the good things of Jesus every place we go. And apart from that, we can't really say where it is our final destination, on the earth. But we know that we're not building a destination that is on the earth. So, Abraham obeyed God and he left his country even though he didn't know where he was going. Some of you need to hear this morning that it's okay not to know where you're going. I mean, we know where we're going ultimately. But in terms of... of, Some of us want to have three steps to a powerful strategy for this week. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some things aren't knowable. Following God can sometimes look foolish, Noah. Uh, following God does not always get you over there. Following God might get you in a whole different place, but you can rest, be rested. You can rest assured that when you hear His voice and follow Him, that's the most important thing: hearing and obeying. Well, the list goes on, and I will take a lot of time here. But Sarah uh, conceived at an impossible age. Why? She believed. Um, uh, Isaac, it says, blessed a future uh, generation. Um, Joseph remembered the Exodus, gave directions for what they should do with his bones, so they carried his, his bones out of, of Egypt. Um, and he's remembered in the, the text of, of heroes. Uh, Moses left Egypt for a promised land. he didn't know exactly where he was going. He just said, lead these people out of Egypt, take them to this mountain to worship me. Mount? What mountain? I'll, I'll show you. And by the way, I'm going to give you a, a pillar of fire by night and a, a pillar of cloud by the day. And every time I come down, and follow me, pack up the camels. So we're following the cloud. Some of us don't like that. We don't like to follow the cloud. We don't like to follow the voice of the Spirit. We like to know everything. Anybody here like me? We like to know all of the things before they happen. And the fact of the matter is, if we're going to live a life of faith and be seen as a a hero, if you will, God crediting uh, to us, uh, because we're righteous in Jesus, God smiling upon us, we're not always going to know every answer ahead of time I don't know if that is helpful to anybody else but it really is helpful to me you know the mission is still the vision the vision is still the mission and it's to go and make disciples and and by the way baptize them and then teach them to obey everything I've told you that's it I mean, now there's a hundred thousand ways to do that, and God may give some of you specific directions on how to go where and when what to do, uh, but the vision and the mission is still the same. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, I want something more concrete. Well, no, you don't get anything more concrete. Go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them. Oh, I don't like that. I want a new vision. I want a new mission. I want a new... I want, no, you don't get one. Abraham went out. He obeyed God. And it says that he went out not knowing where he was going, but he went out listening. And the person who will listen in any era, in any church, those are the people who will ultimately thrive and succeed. Because success is always defined by those who obeyed. Moses left Egypt. There are others that are mentioned in Hebrews 11. We won't look at all of them. There was Rahab. Remember, she received the spies and she said, if you spare me when you come back and I'll put a red rope out my window. And she did. Remember Rahab. There was Gideon. There was Barak. The Scripture talks about Samson, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, and, and all of the prophets. Um, but then look. let's look at and park for just a moment at verse 13 through 16. Now, all of those people that I just mentioned, some rather hurriedly, verse 13 says, they all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. They were assured of them They embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Now truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return there. Remember the Israelites when they left Egypt? They remembered the leeks and the garlics in Egypt. Let's turn around. At least we had the leeks and the garlics. Oh, we forgot about the bricks and you know making the bricks and the taskmasters and the whips on our backs. But we remember the good old days. They re- they were able to remember that the past was the hero, even though it wasn't such a big heroic time. And then verse uh, fifteen. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return there. Verse 16, But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Let me summarize four points that I see in these verses 13 through uh, 16. The first one is... um, They believe God, and that set them apart. They believe God. You know, when you come down to it, believing God is what set uh, all of these individuals apart. Abel believed. Noah believed. um, Enoch believed. Abraham believed. Sarah believed. Isaac believed. Joseph, Moses, they believed. And not only did they believe, but then they acted upon what they heard or believed. So obedience then becomes the very uh, first and most important thing in their life. The second thing is that none of them knew the outcome of their obedience ahead of time. They believed God and they began to obey God even though they didn't know the outcome of, of what was going to be the outcome of their believing God. They didn't know that. So they believed God and they obeyed God, but they didn't know the outcome of their obedience ahead of time. And thirdly, they saw themselves as foreigners uh, in in this land. Remember the old gospel hymn, I'm just a passer through. How's it go? Can anybody remember that? Uh, 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 If heaven's not my home, oh, Lord, then what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't uh, feel at home in this world anymore. You see, there's something about those. Some of you are looking at me like, what? I've never heard of that. (laughs) You see, this isn't our home, and that's the point. The point is that, that God is preparing for us another realm that eye has not seen, your eye nor mine, ear has not heard, our our hearts haven't even been fully, totally impacted by it. Uh, That is what God has prepared for those who love Him. We are foreigners in this land. Uh, We believe God and we're on a journey to obey Him. Uh, We're not seeing the outcome of what He has called us to right now. We are, however, foreigners in this land. But fourthly, they were looking for a heavenly city, an eternal home. Beloved, that makes you really different than most other people. Most people take and evaluate their lives based upon their plan. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. And this is how I'm going to get there. You see, the Scripture says lean not on, unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Well, that's the antithesis of you getting to plan out your life until Jesus comes. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be wise. It doesn't mean that we should be imprudent in, in the decisions that we have before us, but it does say uh, we need to obey and believe, believe and obey, Uh, We need to not look at just the outcomes. Uh, We need to recognize that we're foreigners right now upon the earth. And then fourthly, we're looking for a heavenly city. And then I'll end with just looking at one more verse. This one's in Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus. You see, He's the author and He's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross despising the shame and now he has sat down at the right hand of God the Father you see what makes a people truly heroic and in fact what I believe sets this congregation apart from some others that have made their past the hero is that we have lots of other heroes in our lives let me mention a couple of them and then I'm going to give you opportunity maybe to mention some more. Um, Some heroes that come to my mind um, are are missionaries, uh, many of whom serve overseas, uh, not all of them, but many of them serve overseas, um, and they serve locally. Uh, In the present, many of our heroes, see, most of us wouldn't stand up and say, okay, I see myself as a hero, because that would, you know, number one, it wouldn't be, it'd be prideful probably, Uh, But so we wouldn't say, well, I'm serving Jesus over here faithfully and therefore I'm a hero like we just read about in Hebrews 11. But we would point to uh, so-and-so back there uh, who has served the Lord faithfully overseas for years and years. They're a hero of the faith. All of us would say that and we could call some names and I'd be sure to embarrass some and I'd be in trouble if I did that uh, with them. Uh, Because most of those people, they're... They just serve God, and that's what makes them a hero. They've heard, they've obeyed, they recognize this isn't their home, so they have sacrificed lands and money and and family in some cases to obey Jesus and to go and to do. Well, there are others who serve the cause of Christ, um, serve not just missionaries presently, but some have packed up everything and have gone and taken big stints of their life and served in foreign countries. Those are my heroes. People who have just sold it all and gone. Well, how about those who stand for the cause of Christ? Right now. In your job. I would say that probably makes you one of these heroes. Representing Him in the workplace. How about those who Serve sacrificially. And we don't see this; we ex- sort of expect it of ourselves and each other. But how about our small group leaders? Now, none of them would stand up and say, "Oh, I'm a hero because I'm a small group leader." But the fact of the matter is, they serve sacrificially; they give of themselves um, uh, to teach the word, to encourage people, to speak words to them. Uh, volunteers. I could point out some of our volunteers here this morning. You don't have to volunteer either in the house or elsewhere, but many of you do. Why? Because you've heard the voice. And you're following Him in obedience to do what God has called you to do. And that's what makes us then heroes. um, Giving sacrificially to advance the gospel, either at home uh, or abroad. How about our intercessors? Talk about a thankless task. People who simply sit in the presence of God and listen to His voice and then speak back to Him what He's just said to them on behalf of other people. And no one ever sees it day in and day out. But by the intercession and the prayer and supplication of the saints of God, the kingdom of God moves forward. I said a few weeks ago, nothing usually ever happens by accident in the kingdom of God but as men and women have prayed specifically. There's so many more that I could mention, but I think for just a few minutes, it may be helpful uh, if some of you would share uh, very briefly, like 10 seconds each, just snippets, of where you serve outside the walls. Now, most people see how you're serving inside the walls, but... Um, uh, Steve, is, is Carol still there? Is Carol? She was kind of leaning down. Could I speak what you shared to, with me in an email not long ago? Carol and Steve Wallen. <laughs> this just came to me. That I didn't. Um, would you tell us what you're doing? Maybe that would be better than me doing it. Just just a few minutes. What's God called you to, and how does it connect to Alexis? You know, that's the, what I'm talking about. Share just a minute.
0: My daughter is a nurse in the neonatal unit at New Hanover, and she gave us a heads up of the opportunity that you can volunteer and hold babies, neonates. So Steve and I um, volunteer in the neonatal unit. We hold little babies who are called NAS babies. Neonatal abstinence syndrome. They're coming off drugs. They're agitated. And they just need to be held and loved. So we pray over them. We speak God's word to them. We sing over them. We love on their parents. We love on the staff. And we do it together.
2: <laughs> Is that amazing or what? Now, they would never say they're heroes, but I think God would say they're heroes. Loving little babies that are being born with physical challenges, with drugs, who don't have a mom and a dad who are able, but just to pray for them and love. Thank you. I know that may have embarrassed you spur the moment. Somebody else, what are, you, what are you doing outside the gate? Just take a minute. It doesn't have to be you know, dramatic and one-upsman, but where are you serving outside, outside the gate? Anybody? Ron? Step out here real fast.
3: Yeah, real short. Um, I've been going for the past three years over to the county jail uh, off Juvenile Drive, and it's been a wonderful experience for me, really. Uh, These guys being formerly the bad boys of the block, I'm thinking, first I was a little intimidated, and then I thought, wow, God really wants to love on them. So um, it's just been phenomenal because it's helped me to grow, but also the flow of the Holy Spirit through me as I'm talking, or d- doing different things to show them like I was going to show them the war room, but uh, that's coming up. Um, but it's just marvelous in that they receive, and the Lord has given me so many downloads over this. He's told me that within this group of about 10 or fifteen people sometimes, because um, it changes a lot, he said. Uh, there are pastors in this room. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. So I let them know. It's just an amazing thing that God will minister to these people. It helps them, and it helps me too. So,
2: Thank you, Ron. Somebody else want to share real real quickly? I was going to call on you, Richie. I'm glad I just saw your hand. Uh, Dan, you might want to tell us, uh, Sonnenberg, real quick too, what's new on your heart. Where'd you go? Here you go
1: yeah okay um yes i um international seamen center i take care of the, i go on board the ships i um the and help the seamen who come into ports and so them the love of jesus and really uh, help them uh take care of their spiritual and uh, physical needs somebody else
2: <clears throat> taking care of physical needs yeah mm <clears throat> Bubba Clark.
4: I believe the the gift that God gave me is to love people. My first gift was to love people. And I've done it basically my whole Christian life was going out and visiting people in their homes and in the hospitals and wherever and sharing Jesus Christ. I worked for Harris Teeter for over 14 years after I retired off the railroad, and God opened so many doors. Some days I was tired of not only working, but but it was just amazing how many times God opened the doors for me to witness to different people. i pray with them in the parking lot, wherever, when things, God moved, and he moved strong. And now in the last six or seven months, Doug Carlson, our house, gave us a special gift of going in the homes for those who can't make it to church for one meal, and, and visiting with them and sharing communion with them. And hopefully they get a blessing out of it because Doug and I get a double blessing out of it, just going and sharing with these people.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Bubba. <clears throat> Anybody else? Real loud. that's right thank you david through business through every every way god calls some people to go overseas as the coals back here and give sacrificially dan you've been called
5: i'll be leaving a week from wednesday on my first trip with the timothy two ministry we'll be going to vietnam and burma to teach pastors who uh, who can't get to seminaries or bible schools so we'll be spending a week each in those two two countries. And this time I'll be going with Steve Curtis. He'll be training me so that I
2: can do uh, more of that same kind of ministry in the future. That's amazing. Do, do you hear the, the theme sort of that's emerging? It doesn't matter whether you're bagging groceries at Harris Teeter, short-term missions, long-term missions. God is using the... If, and if some of you would step up and share. If we would have time, we'd be amazed. Yeah. And I know they won't
5: step up and, and share, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just call out some of them. Um, <laughs> um, the uh, Wilmington uh, Healing Center with the, the Bells and a number of people here who are um, volunteering. Um, I am going to say something about your wife, David, uh, because she brings Christian concerts to this city. Can we thank the Lord for that? Thank you, Susie, for, for that. And serves on the board of the Christian schools. Many of you do that. And that's an outreach. It does a lot for the city. Um, the Satterfields and who knows how many others who've been my wife uh, on the Lifeline uh, board uh, helped found the board um, uh, uh, and and the ministry of, of uh, not only Lifeline uh, but Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Yahweh Center. Uh, all these ministries have come, uh, you know, by by people praying and and being willing to step out. Many of you have volunteered in that. Uh, Duke and Jennifer are, are doing an intercessory prayer ministry um, in the chapel that's ongoing. Uh, and, and I hope we can hear more about that as, as a moment for ministry. I could walk around the sanctuary and point out, no, I could point out all kinds of, you know, the the Jaskies and the marriage ministry and also praying for women who've been abused. Um, you know, we could go all the way around this. So there's all kinds of Oh, Jerry, Jerry and Karen Cannon are kind of our poster children for, uh, uh, you know, reaching beyond the walls. So, you know, I, Pastor Steve, excuse me for hopping up, but I just, I mean, you know, we could just we could just go on and on with with the fact that you are volunteering. Many of the small groups are, uh, you know, monthly or at least quarterly going down to, uh, you know, church without walls or. Um, you know, anyway, the Salvation Army—they're do, doing food. Um, I, 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 the folks who work with me, with Celebrate Recovery, for five years without a break, every Tuesday night they are there serving uh, underserved, hurting uh, people who who've gone through all kinds of things, creating community. Um, so I mean, we could go, we could go on and on, but uh, we we give great glory to God for uh, the ministry that, that's happening here, and I know I know there must be fifteen other ones. So I just uh, I just yeah, couldn't, there, I there, couldn't stand
2: it. There's probably hundreds other. Dean, Dean why don't you come and uh, sort of lead us in a, a closing song? Now the reason I I did this, <clears throat> as we talk about what makes a church thrive or what causes some church churches to cease. From striving. We're going to look at some of these principles and go, yeah, that relates to us, and we can see, and therefore we can do some things about it, or no, that doesn't relate to us. And the past being the hero may be something that some of us are given toward. That's not most of us, and I know that because of the ways you are serving as heroes in unseen ways all over uh, this city and beyond Uh, So, Father, I want to thank you for Dan, and I pray for him and for Beth while he's gone. I pray, Lord, that you would give them grace and protection as they travel, and bless them, God. I thank you for each of those who have shared. And Lord, all of the unsung heroes of our congregation, those who are serving overseas, those who have served in the past, or those who are serving in mundane ways in their way of thinking, where they were where they shop, just sharing faithfully, not knowing where they're going, sort of like Abraham, but they know that they're obeying your voice. And Lord, that's what is most important to hear and to obey. Let's stand and we'll close with with this hymn and just continue to think through uh, those ways in which you're serving and give God thanks and glory for it.
1: these
3: broken weary bones for us to dance again oh. this dry and thirsty land with the river Lord our eyes are fixed on you and we are
2: give a hug, a, a handshake, a word of encouragement to those who are around you. And have a wonderful day today. If you'd like special prayer, we'll be lingering up here, worshiping and praying. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus.
3: But all the